The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. He's actually in Las Vegas. Still, so we're hanging out with the uh, the interns, Adam, the intern, and Gabby. Good afternoon, guys. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good. Good. How are you, are you doing, Gabby? I'm good. Hey. Are you guys going to get out and do anything with this nice uh, sunshine? Feels like spring all of a sudden. Do you have any plans? I don't have any plans, but I hope I can figure something out. Because I am sick of winter, so I am ready for something warm. Something outdoors? Yeah. You ready to go watch some baseball? I am very ready to watch some baseball. Where do you usually go? Um, I usually watch like Smithfield. Oh, uh, you go to yeah. Blue Sox? Yeah, my brothers play out there, so. Usually you ever gone down to Ogden? The yes. Raptors? Yes, I I love the Raptors, love the bees, love to. I've love never gone to a ball. game there. In no? Ogden, no. Oh, it's good. I've had tell me I have people tell me it's a nice venue. It's right downtown. Yeah, it's really nice. It's kind of got this cool old feel because you got old buildings around them. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. Mitch Henline told me he won a bike there once former co-host of the Full Court Press. Just happened to be there at the right time and uh, said, oh, yeah, you want a bike? Uh, sure. So you never know what happens when you go to a minor, minor league baseball team. But uh, the future of minor league baseball actually is uh, in dire straits, actually. Now, that's a topic for another day, but um, it's got a lot of people in major league baseball upset about it, about how they're uh, handling finances and these these teams are kind of left alone and, now there's threats that they're going to uh, uh, have fewer teams available for minor league baseball. Anyway, no word yet on how that might affect our area, but uh, certainly it's a, it's a growing concern. And you see these uh, a few players here and there get these huge contracts, and they make the big news, but baseball, especially the lower levels, is not as healthy as you might think when you see Bryce Harper and Christian Yelich and Mike Trout signed these big mega deals, it makes you think that baseball is just flush with cash, and it may not be really the case. So anyway, that, that's that's a that's a topic for another day. Um, but let's we're going to continue to talk about Utah State and uh, in the Mountain West Conference tournament, Aggies face the Lobos tonight. Pre-game coverage on our sister station KVNU, which is six ten a.m. and I'll tell you, 102.5 FM is probably your better option if you're looking on the FM dial. 102.1, I understand it's been having issues on and off and on and off, but 102.5 has been solid. So if you can get 102.5, you're good. Or go to the AM or stream it online. Just go to kvnutalk.com or download the KVNU mobile app, and you can listen there as well. So Al Lewis, Jalen Moore, they'll have their pregame coverage starting at 6. Tip-off will be at 7. And then as soon as it's done, after watching it on CBS Sports Network, then uh, turn back on your radio and hear Al and Jalen and John Russell break it down, what happened down at the uh, Thomas and Mac. Uh, and so already there's been a couple of upsets in Mountain West Conference plays. USU can't take anybody lightly. Air Force in a minor upset over Fresno. Wyoming with a major upset over Colorado State. And we've got kind of an upset brewing right now. Only about a little over a minute to go 
in this game right now. You can see it on CBS Sports Network if you happen to be near a TV or can get to one soon. You can see the final minute play out, and it's Boise State 59, UNLV 55. Boise State had about a 10-point lead early in the second half, but UNLV has been keeping it close. They haven't been able to close the gap, um, but uh, they are at the free throw line and uh, getting it a little bit closer. So this game's going to go down to the wire. I I know that there are a lot of Mountain West teams that will be very happy to see UNLV out of the tournament. Uh, They're playing pretty dangerous basketball right now, playing really good. They upset San Diego State. They're a dangerous team in and of of their own right, but it's also on their court. And there's always been a the suspicion that UNLV gets maybe a little extra advantage playing on their home court. But you know what? Honestly, over the years that I've been watching, it really isn't that much of an advantage for UNLV. They don't have a lot, an extra large found base that helps them. The only thing that, that they, their advantage is familiarity with the arena. And after you're in the Mountain West for a few seasons, you're going to go through there a couple times anyway. And you're going to go there to the tournament every year. I don't know that it's really that much of an advantage, but I know it is a concern among others in the Mountain West Conference. So um, as of right now, 50 seconds to go, and uh, Boise State, now it's their turn to shoot some free throws as it's turning into a foul shooting, free throw shooting contest between those two teams. So that game will go final while we're here on the air. We'll update you on what happens there. The winner gets San Diego State, who's been just sitting back and waiting to see who they get. And they were in a dogfight earlier today against Air Force. And Air Force has played them pretty tough before. It was anybody's game in the first half. Uh, It was still a a tight game early in the second half. And then San Diego State really tightened down the screws defensively. And Air Force just went ice cold for a big stretch there in the second half. And it was hard for them to get any buckets. San Diego State was able to get Jordan Shackle scoring in the second half. He hit uh, 14 of his 17 points in the in the second half, much of that coming from three-point shooting. And then they were able to pull away and win it by double digits, but still wasn't really certain until uh, the last minute or so. But uh, so it, what we're seeing is that anything can happen. Wyoming with a huge upset over Colorado State last night, an 11 seed over in a 6 seed. And that sets up actually a really interesting matchup later this evening, which normally I wouldn't think that's going to be that big of a deal, Wyoming and Nevada, but each time Wyoming and Nevada have played, they've been really, really close. Nevada beat them earlier in the year by one, and then they just beat them last week by five. So whatever the reason, the way they match up, Wyoming plays Nevada really, really close. And, uh, man, it would be awesome if Wyoming had a little more magic and can knock off Nevada tonight, and then you it face a, it's set up for Utah State and Wyoming in the next round. So that's what's going on in the Mountain West Conference right now. Um, a kind of a scare earlier in the day. Could see what happens with uh, Boise State and UNLV, and then uh, later on this evening after Utah State, it's the late one at nine thirty our time, Wyoming and Nevada. Uh, Jay Kendricks, the the uh, local product, had a nice game last night for Wyoming. And uh, we'll see if he can keep that going to help out the uh, the Cowboys uh, later on tonight. So that's what's happened with the Mountain West uh, tournament. Um, and uh, the Utah State, if they win tonight, their game tomorrow will be the late game. And uh, they will play the uh, the later game, which I believe will be like 930. 
uh, our time. So uh, it'll be a late one tomorrow evening. Uh, but uh, anyway, we'll we'll let you know as we get closer and we'll break it down. Lodge will join us for a big chunk of our show tomorrow. Uh, he'll be there in Las Vegas watching the games as they unfold, be able to report on what happened with the Aggies and then what we might see Friday night against whomever their opponents might be. Um, and so anyway, stay tuned for that. Also tomorrow, by the way, uh, we'll be uh, joined by uh, Jimmy Moore. He'll be coming into the studio to join us. And uh, he and his sons are putting on a pretty cool thing this weekend, kind of a, a local all-star game for high school basketball. So he'll give us the details on that, how you can go watch and, and support them, and some skills competitions that might be going on with it as well for both the boys and the girls. So that'll be fun to hear about that. So he'll be joining us in the studio tomorrow to break that down. Uh, last night, the Utah Jazz were on the road. They're at the New York Knicks. And the Jazz have have been beating some subpar teams here lately. They've on this East Coast road swing um, in the last game before leaving Utah, they were playing teams that were below 500 and they were beating them, but they weren't blowing them out. It was a struggle against Washington. Bradley Bill went off on the Jazz, but they were still able to get enough offense themselves to uh, overpower the Wizards. When they went to Cleveland, didn't overpower the Cavaliers, but again, had enough offense themselves to get past them. The Jazz have been allowing 113 points or more from their opponents for, what was it, five of the last seven games. Coming to their game last night against the New York Knicks, Jazz figured it out a little bit better defensively. And uh, they were going to hold New York for below 100, but then all the reserves came in and a few more points got scored than probably normally would be. But the Jazz took care of business, 112 to 104. And that was a game that I felt like the, the big keys for the Jazz in that one, Donovan Mitchell played well. Boyan Bogdanovich found his offense again. It's been kind of missing. But also Rudy Gobert, I think, reasserted himself offensively. And I think that's been missing a little bit. Uh, he's been great defensive presence. But during that string of success, he was regularly pushing 20 points a game and regularly pulling down double-digit rebounds and a couple blocks a game as well. And last night, he was able to get back into that area. And let me ask you guys, uh, Adam the intern, Gabby, the uh, how much does a Jazz success going forward might depend on how well Rudy Gobert does offensively. We talk a lot about Mike Connolly. We've talked about Donovan Mitchell. We've talked about Boyan and, and Joe Ingles needing to be more consistent with their shooting. But what about Rudy Gobert and his offense? We talk a lot about his defense. What about his offense? I think if Rudy Gobert, like you were saying, is getting 20 points a night, that's, that's a huge sign that the Jazz are doing what the Jazz want to do. The whole Quinn Snyder system of let's get a blender going, let's get ball movement going, so that way it does open up the key, it does open up the paint. Because um, that's where Rudy, that's where he honestly destroys other teams, is if you can feed him down low and not put him in situations where there's like two or three guys on him, but it's just him and another defender, half the time he's wide open, it's an easy slam dunk for him every time. And I feel like that's kind of been the struggle that we've had, is we haven't been able to, I guess, suck out defenders out of the, uh, I guess, the paint or the mid-range zone, so then Rudy can't get that easy dunk, you know what I'm saying? And so it helps that now that, like we were saying, like Boyan Bogdanovich is 
have found his offense again after not having it for a while, and he is making those threes, and so then it does open up the paint for Rudy, and I think that's a that's a good sign to judge the Jazz on, is if Rudy's getting his points and his rebounds, then the Jazz as a whole team are working well. Uh, Gabby, any additional thoughts about? I don't know if you got a chance to see that Jazz game last night. Yeah, I forgot, no, I forgot I to ask you before. I didn't get to watch it, but I think Adam did a pretty good job covering it. So. Yeah, I think that you were. If Rudy is that presence down low, teams have to respect that. They can't just all flush out and just focus on the defenders on or the the shooters on the perimeter. Utah has been one of the best three point shooting teams. It's been well documented, but. If that can continue, teams have to respect the three, and that leaves things open for a little more space for Rudy down low. What's been odd is that when they've faced a team like Houston that goes five out, the Jazz struggle to get the ball down to him. You'd think that, hey, we're going up against a small lineup. He should be able to feast on these guys. They do a really good job of denying the entry pass or putting him in a position that when he does get it, it's hard for him to do what he's supposed to. So... That's been a weird anomaly. I just can't figure out that how the Jazz can't counter that. The New York Knicks were able to figure it out against the Houston Rockets earlier this week, used their bigger guys to attack the, the rim, and Houston just wasn't able to handle it. But um, how the Jazz have struggled against that, against Houston, has been a little baffling to me. But because Houston lost the other night, because the Jazz won, the Jazz have now pulled within a half a game of Houston in the uh, Western Conference standings. Uh, Houston is eight games behind the Lakers. The Jazz are eight and a half. The Jazz are also a game and a half ahead of Oklahoma City Thunder. So they gave themselves a little more separation there while also gaining on Houston. Um, and they're, they're two games behind Denver for that three spot. Um, and trying to catch uh, L.A. Is, is three games away. So they still got some some work to do. Um for the Utah Jazz, but I thought how Donovan played. Granted, he's he grew up in New York. He always plays well there. He has his own fans uh, and cheering section there from family and friends from when he grew up there. But I thought it was important to see Boyan find his shot again. Rudy finding his offense. But like I said earlier, Mike Conley was a big part of it as well. He had uh, 17 points and, um, and and eight assists for the Jazz, and just finding other players to get involved. And having another ball handler that can can create and set other guys up proves to be a big factor for Utah Jazz. Yeah, and that's why we picked him up. That's honestly why we traded for him. And so it is good to see that he hopefully we'll see what he does uh, tomorrow. But if he can't continue this stretch where he is fitting into the system and he is finding other players and finding his own shot, then I think we got something. Right, then he is that player. That we wanted. That we all wanted and expected to happen. Uh, it's just... it's. It's odd that it's taken this amount of time. There have been injuries. There have been lineup changes. There have been roster changes. It just takes time sometimes. It's just all it takes. All it is. You just have to accept that. Yeah, better late than never, right? I think that what's really interesting in telling about what the Jazz are doing is to hear it from the other point of view. What is New York saying about the Jazz and what they were able to do to them after they had a big game against Houston? They're feeling pretty good about themselves. There's a they had a change with some leadership in their organization. Uh, there's this the interim coach seems to be figuring a few things out for New York. So they're not maybe as bad as their record currently now suggests that they are. But here's one of the things that they're 
coach Mike Miller, interim coach, said about the Jazz. He says, give them credit. Uh, we played some really good execution teams. I'm not sure there's a better execution team in the NBA than Utah. It's the way they just keep coming at you. They make the right plays. They're just difficult to play with. And then uh, Julius Randle, he weighed in. He says, they just executed. They're a veteran team. They really move the ball, spread the floor, get into the paint, kick it out, swing, swing, swing. That's what I, we like to hear. That's kind of what the Jazz like last year and years before, that's what we were known for. We were known for passing the cuss out of the ball, almost to the point where Quinn Snyder's yelling, shoot the ball. Yeah, that's and right. So, you have a look. Take it. Yeah, exactly. So it's good to hear. I feel like in the losing stretch that we had recently, that wasn't happening. We weren't passing the ball. It was all iso ball. And the Jazz just do not have the talent for that. But we do have the talent for ball movement and spacing out the floor. So it's amazing to hear that we are now doing that. Right. And it should be an affirmation to everybody on that team that when we execute the play, when we swing the ball around, when we don't play hero ball, we are going to win. Yep. So this is uh, these are good games to remind them of that, fine-tune the execution, fine-tune the rotations, what matchups work well together on the floor. Big test tomorrow against the Boston Celtics. Now, this is a Celtics team that's going to be without a couple of key guys. Jalen Brown has been ruled out. Gordon Hayward has been ruled out. You and- ever feel sorry for Gordon Hayward? I mean, like, I was mad at him when he left. But now that it seems like the man can barely play five games in a row without having to set out another game for injuries or something like that. Honestly, I'm, I'm kind of starting to feel bad for him. I, I thought that when Kyrie Irving left, start of the year, he looked like this big weight had been lifted off of him. Yeah. And now he can be himself and he can play in the system and he can be the guy that he wants to be with his coach. And it looked like it was going to start to be that way and then he got hurt again. Yeah. Uh, and then he just starts to come back, and he gets hurt again. And he starts to come back, and he gets hurt again. So I, I, I'm with you. I feel bad about Gordon Hayward and what has happened to him, but only a little. Only a little. Only a little. You hate to see someone else get hurt, but then at the same time, it's like, haha. Yeah. You left. Nirvana. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, he's he, he he is a part of their system that makes them work. But Jalen Brown has been a bigger issue when it comes to the matchups between the Celtics and the Jazz. He was a big part of their their what they were able to do against the Jazz in the last game that they played him in Salt Lake City. He he played great coming off the bench. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And so yeah, now that we hear that he's not playing, the what I was looking at is it sounds like Jalen Brown is kind of their three point shooter defender. I mean he's gonna lock down anybody who's your main three point shooter and he does a pretty good job at it too. And so now that we hear that he's not playing, obviously you want to see that for Bogey or Joe Ingles. I mean, you want to see a big game from them because if they have a good game, then that means the Jazz are winning. Yeah, that's a good point. If, if the shots are flowing for those guys, a lot of other things happen well because then they start to get into a, a flow. They start to look for other guys. Defenders have to focus on them and not on Donovan or not on Connolly or not on Royce. And so then they start to get better looks. So uh, Jalen Brown last time, 20 points, six boards. Um, and he was he was a beast defensively too. Made it really difficult for the Jazz. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's definitely the heart and soul of that defense right there. However, I throw out a big however. Whenever the Jazz have gone up against a team that's missing a key guy, they haven't really played that great. I mean, look what happened when Houston came to town when both Westbrook and Harden were out. 
Gordon goes off and they kill the Jazz. Look what happened when they went to San Antonio and, uh, oh, now all of a sudden his name slipped my mind. They're a big guy. Aldridge? Aldridge. He was out. Didn't matter. They beat the Jazz. Uh, the difference is maybe when Luka Doncic wasn't playing for Dallas, uh, the, the Dallas made it tough, but the Jazz were still able to win. So it's not 100% always that's the case, but there have been some significant cases here when the opponent's top guys, one of the top guys is out, then other guys get chances that they wouldn't normally, and they take advantage of those, and the Jazz let them take advantage of those. Yeah, I, I think that's more confusion of like, hey, who do I guard now? Because obviously you're not going to have game film or whatever on Eric Gordon that much anyways because he wasn't playing that much for the Rockets until Westbrook. And, that's true. Yeah. He'd missed a big chunk of time. Yeah, exactly. Nobody so, saw that coming. Yeah, so I think, honestly, it, you hate to see it, but I think those are bound to happen. Now that what the Jazz have to figure out is they have to figure out communication on defense. So it's like, okay, so now I'm not maybe I'm not guarding James Harden now because he's not playing. But I got to grab Wessel Westbrook or whoever. And then that's just got to shift down on defense because, like, okay, if you got this guy, I got this guy, things like that. So obviously, you want to see more of that communication so then you don't have breakout games from no name players in the NBA. Yeah. And I think the key is how it starts. If these fringe guys start to get a little bit of mojo early in the game, they're going to have it the rest of the game, especially when it's at a home game for them. Then they start feeling good. It's in their arena. Everybody's cheering for them. And so your your fringe guys play like starters or they play like key sixth men coming off the bench. And the Jazz, unfortunately, have allowed that to happen far too many times. Uh, by the way, an update in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. The game has gone final. Boise State, 67. UNLV, 61. So that was a little bit of an upset. Um, Boise State was um, the number, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, number five team in the standings. Uh, UNLV was the number four team. So not that big of an upset, but still a little bit of an upset there. Um, And uh, UNLV out of the mix for the rest of the tournament, being on their home court, uh, a team that was playing some pretty good basketball coming into the tournament. And... Um, so now San Diego State will face Boise State, and uh, that game will be tomorrow. And I'm trying to see when they played each other. I don't remember if they played each other twice or only one time. San Diego State beat them early in the conference schedule, uh, 83-65, to just really beat up on them. And then they beat them again just a few weeks ago, 72-55. to So San Diego State has really kind of had their way. With, um, with Boise State, uh, but uh, interesting, uh, Boise State played UNLV the last game of the regular season, and UNLV won that game by ten. So it was a revenge game for the Broncos, and they get the win by six tonight. So um, that's uh, interesting to see how that plays out. I'm sure uh, San Diego State was very happy to see Boise State win. Because both of their games against the Rebels were very close. They won one and they lost one. So they're eager to face the Broncos. Uh, so now the arena is going to clear out. And the second session will get underway a little bit later on this evening. Utah State will take on New Mexico at 7. That game will be shown on CBS Sports Network. 
And our sister station, KVNE, will be doing pregame coverage starting at 6, a full one-hour pregame. And then as soon as that game is over, we'll be back on the radio to break it down and uh, then a, a preview, a look at uh, the, the late game there in the Thomas and Mac. That's Wyoming and Nevada. Uh, we're going to take a step aside here in the Full Court Press, call a quick timeout. When we come back, some other updates on what's going on in the NBA. An all-star, an MVP-type player has been out of the NBA for a long time. He's making his return tonight. How will that affect the rest of the season for him and the team that he's coming back to? A certain Steph Curry coming back to the Warriors tonight. Uh, so we'll update you on that. We'll hear from him and uh, look at uh, the coronavirus, how it's affecting sporting events around the world, and how it might con- to uh, affect more uh, sporting events closer to home. We'll look at that coming up on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson. Ajay Salveson, he's in Las Vegas. He joined us last hour. We look forward to hearing from him tomorrow and get a recap on the day's events, the evening's events, and the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Boise State just took down UNLV. Wyoming last night upset Colorado State. Uh, Air Force upset Fresno State. So we've had a number of upsets already. Air Force almost upset San Diego State today. So San Diego State clearly showing that they are vulnerable. They've had a lot of close games, but they've also shown that they can close out games, something USU has struggled with a little bit. So San Diego State will play Boise State tomorrow. Utah State plays New Mexico tonight. The line has moved up Oddly enough, it was at 11 earlier. Now it's at 12. But Utah State taking on New Mexico after just uh, losing to them on Saturday. Could this one play out like Boise and UNLV? UNLV beat uh, Boise the last game of the regular season, and then Boise State turned around and said, nope, you can't do that to us twice in back-to-back games. Utah State may be able to do the same thing. And then later tonight, it's Wyoming and Nevada. Wyoming with an upset. And uh, they've played Nevada really, really close in their games earlier in the year. Um, As we talked about, the Utah Jazz had a nice win last night on the road at New York against the Knicks. Not really a stunning victory for the Jazz. But it was good to see them get on track and play well. But there's a lot of attention on... Players that are recently, players just coming back, making their debuts, like uh, Zion Williamson's really taken everybody by storm, how he's played since he started playing just a few weeks ago. Well, tonight will be the debut of Steph Curry. Well, not the debut. I guess he started the season, played a few games, but then broke his wrist. And he's been out for months, been rehabbing. He had an, His initial surgery was on November 1st. It's way back. It seems like forever ago now. Uh, He had another procedure in December to take the pins out of his hand. So he's been rehabbing. Well, he's set to make his debut tonight against the Toronto Raptors 
in San Francisco. Here's some of the things he had to say about uh, making his return on to an NBA court. I mean, I'm excited. I've, coming into this year, uh, was excited to kind of obviously compete and see what the season held in terms of our transition as an organization and um, obviously that was taken away pretty quickly so um, four months to just get ready for a day like today where you know a lot of hard work's gone into the rehab uh, so many people helped me you know get to this point where I'm confident and getting back out on the floor and getting back to what I, I love to do. Um, you know, joining my guys who I know have been through a lot this season and, uh, you know, trying to finish the season on, on, a, on a strong note. And it feels like the first day of school pretty much all over again. Huh. I feel like his first day of school. Uh, you know, it's a big year of transition for the Warriors. They moved to a new arena. Kevin Durant left. Clay Thompson got hurt last year. He wasn't going to be available this year. Uh, there, there was some questions what this uh, Warriors team was going to look like. Then Clay, and then Steph Curry gets hurt. Draymond Green has missed big parts of of the season because of injuries. Which I think he's kind of playing up a little bit, to be honest, because he doesn't want to be the lone man out there losing when his other key guys aren't in the mix. But um, uh, there's going to be a lot of attention on the game tonight to see what happens with uh, with Steph Curry. He will be on a minutes restriction. Probably play 24 to 28 minutes is what they're saying. Um, and he says there's still some nerve damage in his hand. And uh, that's going to have to take some getting used to. And he had his first fur, uh, full contact practice just a few weeks ago. So don't expect Steph Curry to go out there and start dropping three-pointers from five feet beyond the arc. It may take a little bit for him to work into it. Um, but uh, I am a little surprised that he's coming back now and not taking a little more time just so that the Warriors can secure that number one overall seed in the draft opportunity. But uh, in the end, you know, you're a player, you want to play. And I can't fault him for that. And I think there's also this thought about needing to illustrate that he's healthy enough to participate in the Olympics this summer if he wants to do that, which he said that he wants to. He said that um, last year, that he wanted to be considered for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. And whether that's not going to happen or not, we'll get into that a little bit later on here in the show. But uh, still, I I don't like it when the stars of the game are out. Nobody likes that. Uh, I don't care if you really dislike their style of play or not. I just don't think it's good for the game if they're out for big extended periods of time. I don't think it's good that Clay Thompson's out for a long time. I don't think it's good that Kevin Durant's been out for a long time. If James Harden somehow got hurt and was out for a year, I can't think of anybody I dislike more in the NBA than James Harden, but it's it's better that he's in the game because of his star power. People tune in and buy tickets to watch James Harden play. So uh, I think it's good to have Steph Curry Back, I think it's good for the NBA. It's good for the game, and it's going to make things interesting for an otherwise bad team that most everybody's already written off. And uh, it'll be interesting to see now how this affects everything else with this team, how they played the last couple of weeks. They could be considered a dangerous team again. That don't look past the Warriors if they're on your schedule. So uh, he is coming back. He's he's making his return tonight. It's a Thursday night game. 
It'll be on national television. A lot of attention is going to be on it. Um, but uh, the Raptors, that's a team. That's one of the best teams that nobody's talking about. And uh, this because Steph Curry was back, the line moved like three or four points just because Steph Curry's coming back. But uh, the Jazz do play the Toronto Raptors coming up next Monday. So uh, definitely keep an eye on this, uh, this Raptors team because the Jazz are going to face them in Salt Lake City early next week. All right, so I mentioned that uh, there's chances that the Olympics might not happen or they may be delayed coming up this summer. They're set to take place in Tokyo, but uh, because of this coronavirus, there are legitimate fears that uh, they they shouldn't be holding events that ask and invite large groups of people to come together. It would be a playground for a virus. So... What's the precedence that's taken place before in other situations that have happened historically? What are we seeing now internationally? And what could we potentially see closer to home is if this continues to spread? We'll talk about that coming up next year in the Full Court Press. We've had the interns doing some, some historical digging on this. We'll find out about the latest of the coronavirus and how it might affect sports Moving forward, it's already affecting sports in the United States. We talked about that yesterday, but it could have even bigger implications in the weeks and months ahead. We'll talk about that coming up next on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson hanging out with the interns. Doing the research that I couldn't do, didn't have the time to do. But that's why they're here. They fulfill a very important function, okay? And I appreciate it. You're they're awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. Adam and Gabby, you guys do great. Uh, Ajay, he's not here. He's not doing any research. Oh, heck no. He's, uh, he's hanging out in Las Vegas, lounging by the pool. Sipping beverages. I think he is watching some basketball, but maybe, maybe. Uh, got a uh, uh, segment from him. Got some insight from him earlier in the show. Uh, there was a game. Two games have already gone final. The Mountain West Conference tournament today. San Diego State beating Air Force, coming from behind. Actually, it was it was a close game. It's not like Air Force was dominating necessarily, but they were leading and uh, had a lead in the second half. Then San Diego State really clamped down defensively and just shut down Air Force for long stretches of time in the second half, and they started to pull away. They win by 13. Boise State, in the second game of the afternoon session, they led pretty much wire to wire, uh, and it was it was always close, but Boise State beat UNLV today 67-61. Uh, to 61. So now San Diego State will play Boise in the... Um, I guess that would be the semifinals tomorrow. And uh, Utah State, New Mexico played tonight. Then the later game will be Wyoming and Nevada. Wyoming with the upset last night over Colorado State, which I think sets up a really interesting game later t- tonight because Wyoming and Nevada have played each other really, really close. Even though Wyoming has struggled overall in the Mountain West, they always play Nevada really close. So hopefully, I- I- I'm hoping Wyoming gets uh, gets the win this time against Nevada. They lost by one earlier in the year and then lost by five just a few weeks ago. 
Utah State and New Mexico faced each other just on Saturday, and the Lobos beat the Aggies by two. So Aggies get a revenge game tonight. Pre-game coverage on our sister station starting at 6. Tip-off will be at 7, and you can watch it on CBS Sports Network when it's all said and done. Uh, turn on your radio and hear Al Lewis, Jalen Moore, John Russell uh, break it down as to what happened with that Aggie game. Now, we've talked a little bit about the coronavirus, and there's this Chicago State team in the WAC who will not make their trip to play games in Seattle and in Orem at Utah Valley because of fears of the coronavirus. Now, there is one case of the coronavirus. Somebody is in isolation. They're quarantined at a, at a hospital in Murray. There's been no talk of it spreading in the state of Utah whatsoever. There have been several cases in Seattle. There have been a few deaths. But this team in Chicago said, nope, we're not going to make the trip. Never mind, they've only won like four games all year. But then another team in the WAC, Kansas City, said, no, we're not going to travel to Seattle either. We will travel to Utah to play UVU, but we're not going to make the trip up north. So those games will just show us no contest. And meanwhile, the WAC is kind of freaking out because they have their own conference tournament coming up. And there are some games that are the standings are really close on some of these games. And if there's a no contest, how do you figure that? Is that a loss? that take them down? Do you give the other team the, the win? Does that move them up? So it's a little confusing for them. But when we look at this virus and it's the fear of this virus and how it's affecting sporting events, it has become a very real thing for sports around the world. And there are some precedents on this, but we may be at a whole new level here from what we've seen in the past. Um, I saw some pictures the other day. There was a baseball game. I believe it was in South Korea. It was a professional game. One of them were the Giants. I don't remember the other team. It was the team, the umpires, a few press photographers and writers, and that was it. Somebody was there to turn the lights on and run the scoreboard. That was it. There was literally nobody in the stands. Nobody. They all stayed away because of fears of this virus, and it's become a a real thing. So are we going to see more things like that? Will games happen but without the fans, or are they going to start canceling games altogether? So Adam, Gabby, had you guys look into this a little bit? What's going on internationally right now with this virus and some of the scares and, and the threats with this virus and how it's affecting sports? Yeah, it's super interesting to see, especially because it is, you know, we're leading up to the Olympics. I mean, you got a bunch of qualifying events and a bunch of world championships for it. But I mean, half of these events, since it is, since the Olympics will be in Tokyo, um, they are, they are going to be, I guess, hosted pretty close to Tokyo and the continent of Asia, right? And so it's interesting to see how these separate organizations are saying, we don't want to mess with this, right? So we're going to move... Uh, you know, like our soccer match from China or Tokyo or wherever to Sydney, Australia, something like that. And it's super interesting to see how, I guess, not just the fact that they're moving these things, but also the financial implications that are going to be put on these organizations, especially the Olympics. The Olympics brings in billions of dollars. And just to outright say, okay, fans can't come or we're just going to postpone it or just outright cancel it. There's tons of cash on the line, and especially the Olympics, where that's how they fund themselves, is by country dues and the revenue that they get for every four years. I'm sure they're panicking about this. Like, they are outright scared. 
that they're going to have to do something to, I guess, save the players or save the fans who would come to this. I mean, you hear about in uh, in Tokyo, I mean, that they're delaying their training that they're giving to their volunteers for fear of the virus. You don't want to get too many people together too soon or for long periods of time. So it's super interesting to see how it's all lining up and if it's even going to happen. Gabby, what have you found uh, on this? This is this is a bigger deal in some other parts of the world than it is closer to home, but it could become a big issue in the United States too. Yeah, it's kind of crazy right now. Like it hasn't happened too much in the United States, but like out of it, like all over Asia, China, even like, even a little bit of Australia and Italy and everything, games have been canceled, postponed, no spectators. Um, and like even like events have been moved from like beginning of April until like October just because people wow. are so concerned about it. Wow. And it's just it's going to cost them a lot of money to try to figure out how to even do that. But even if they do have the game, nobody's going to come. I thought it was crazy. This Washington Post did uh, went through a lot of this and detailed some of the things, some way that it's affecting sporting events in Italy. Basically, they've said nobody should come to any sporting event for at least a month. So they'll still have these games, but they don't want any fans there. That's crazy. I mean, should should others organizations start to adopt that? Should we have these NCAA tournament games? but just tell the fans to stay away? See, I don't know why you would even have the games then because you are playing for the fans. I mean, granted, you'd have TV and, you know, radio and things like that, but that, that's not bringing up nearly enough revenue because, that honestly, that's the bulk of especially in Europe and that. That's where they get the bulk. That's where these soccer teams make their money is from fans coming to the stadium. And so I'm in, I thought it was interesting that Italy just said, you're not coming to these things. And so I don't know if that's feasible for the Olympics because, again, that's how they make their money. And so it is going to be interesting to see if other countries and other organizations think that it would be a good idea. I don't think it – well, if the coronavirus gets as bad as people say it can be, then I say, obviously, we're not going to do this. But if it's something that just kind of goes up and down, you know, panic and paranoia, then I say I don't see the big deal in it. But what do I know? I know this is this is crazy. Uh, even the LPGA, uh, they've got some tournaments scheduled through Asia. They're going to be canceling those. Uh, Basketball Africa League, it's a new league. It's got a lot of excitement on the African continent. The professional basketball league, that's been postponed. Uh, the CDC is, is in, encouraging what they're calling social distancing. Don't be where there are large crowds of people. Uh, NCAA it said, "Look, we're, we're, we've got an advisory panel. There are no changes as of now. We are looking into this. Uh, we're keeping an eye on things, but basically, we're, we're not canceling anything yet. We're just keeping a close eye on it." Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up: is how's this going to affect March Madness in the Final Four? Because that's huge, especially in Atlanta. That's a big city too. Yeah. So obviously, there's going to be tons of fans that are traveling in. Combined with the people who already live there. Well, and some schools are say are going to limit how many people they send. Uh, normally, you might send as many people as you can. Send the pep band. Send all the cheerleaders. Send the boosters. Send a, a crowd of people to go cheer on your team because you want a presence yeah. at these games. But now they're like, nope, let's just send the bare minimum that we have to. 
Yeah, that's crazy. That's going to be weird. It is going to be very weird. I think weird. it's just going to get even more weird. And there's a there's been some precedents. There's been other health scares globally before, but what we're seeing now, it, it's unprecedented. You found something not since World War II? Have we yeah. seen these many sporting events affected? Right, because uh, obviously in World War II, the world's fighting each other, so you're not going to have a bunch of Olympic games. But that was the last time that we've seen so many internationally organized sporting events been canceled is since World War II because these organizations and the Olympic Committee are just saying, honestly, it's not worth it right now. We can postpone it for a little bit of time, and sometimes they're going to have to cancel it. Wow. It's just, this is crazy. I, I, I hope they figure it out, how to get this thing stopped and get people treated so we can enjoy these sporting events like we love. Yep. So, But – you got to be careful. I mean, safety first. For Wash sure. your hands. Cover yeah. your mouth when you cough. Yeah. Eat your veggies. <laughs> Go back touch to the your basics. Mouth. All right. Uh, anyway, so the very interesting stuff uh, and how this might continue to affect sporting events a little bit closer to home. All right. Let's find out uh, this week in the Mountain West, a look at uh, some things that are going on in the Mountain West, and then some final thoughts before we hand it off to finish off the hour. Stay tuned. This is your Mountain West Basketball Update with Nate Crickman. Number five, San Diego State down nine at the half on the road at Nevada Saturday. But a monster night from Malachi Flynn brought the Aztecs back to finish out the regular season in impressive fashion. Malachi backs off on the dribble but continues it with the left hand. We'll get a screen from Wetzel. He got penetration, went to the left hand, got it! Malachi! from about, oh, maybe seven feet beyond the arc, started his drive, changed speeds, went in, right hand, left hand, timeout, Nevada. Ted Leitner on extra 1360. San Diego State heads into the tournament at 28-1 after that 83-76 road win. Flynn, 36 points. K.J. Fagan overcomes an ankle injury to finish with 14. Aztec, 17-1 in conference, the top seed in this week's Mountain West tournament. Also Saturday, New Mexico mired in a five-game skid, hosting red-hot Utah State at the pit, trailing by 14 with under 12 minutes left. And somehow they won. Guido has it in the center circle. Guarded by Martin, who has four fouls. They want Merrill to get there the ball. Go. Tap away by Manigold. Manigold spinning the rim. Layup is good. The one by three. 22 seconds left. Robert Portnoy on KKOB. Lobos win 66-64. Corey Manigold, 16 points. 18th win of the year for New Mexico. Utah State still gets the two seed in the conference tournament. UNLV the four seed with a first round by Rebels 92-69 road win at San Jose State. Fresno State over Wyoming 63-55 and Colorado State beats Air Force 87-74 in Fort Collins. Rebound to Wood, outlet to Stevens. Rams in the front court. This Wood, transition three, finally. Brian Roth on the call for Learfield IMG College. First round action opens Wednesday at the Thomas and Mack Center. Women's Hoops, Nevada Air Force, and Utah State all win Sunday to advance to Monday's quarterfinals. And that's your Mountain West basketball update. I'm Nate Crackman. The new home for the full court press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to Full Court Press. Hey, Adam the intern, Gabby the intern. Why don't we call you Gabby the intern? We only call him Adam the intern, and you're just Gabby. I don't know. You're the one that talks about me. <laughs> but that is your decision. Should I call you something else? I don't care. Gabinator. Yeah, Gabinator. Yeah. That's something. Gabby the spud nut. 
No. <laughs> Don't do that. Not that one. Not that one. Uh, hey, I really appreciate you guys for helping me out, uh, doing great research, finding uh, interesting storylines to help uh, with what we're talking about today. Um, it's been very helpful. Very busy time with Ajay Gan. I can't lean on him to do all the work for me anymore. So, <laughs> so you lean on us now. Yeah, I can lean on you guys. It's all right. We're here for you. So I appreciate Thank you. Thank you for coming in and hanging out with me for the full two hours. I uh, want to remind you uh, and congratulate Westside Pirates. They beat, uh, well, they won their game earlier today. They won 54 to 44. So they advanced to the semifinals. They're in the final four of two way. And Preston beating Idaho Falls 58 to 47. They advance. That's their 20th straight win. And they will face Middleton also in the semifinals. They're in the, the final four. Both those games happening tomorrow at 6 15 p.m. So best of luck to both of them tomorrow night. That's going to do it for us. Have a great night, everybody.